of 1530. Today we're going to be discussing the brutal hardcore stretch of the year. We're going to talk about the tournaments that have happened in Canada, as well as um, in Washington, D.C. and Cincinnati. And now the U.S. Open is upon us. We've already had one day of play. Um, we're actually in the midst of a second day right now as, as we're recording. So there's been some good matches so far. So we'll talk about who's looking hot coming into the hardcore season, who's already out of the U.S. Open, and who we're looking to as favorites and kind of what stats are going to be key in order to pull off a U.S. Open victory. So again, we're going to talk about young guns, maybe how they're not measuring up. We'll talk about some of those matches and how the big three just kind of continue to dominate. Welcome to 1530. Now introducing your hosts, Ben and Matt. Matt, we're going to start off with the stat of the day here. I'll go ahead and give the stat of the day. My name is Ben. I'm Matt. Let's hear it. Let's do it. Stat of the day. So this is way back. This is uh, the City Open in Washington, D.C. Uh, this was in the beginning of August. So Tsitsipas and Kyrgios stats, they were just really, really interesting. They played a really thrilling semifinal match, three-setter, tiebreak in the third, 9-7 in the tiebreak, super tense. But just some of their stats are crazy. So I'll go ahead and read some of them off. Some of them off. First serve percentage, Tsitsipas, 69%. Kyrgios, 70%. Win percent on first serve, 82% for Tsitsipas, 80% for Kyrgios. Then you go into the break points. They each won two break points. Returning points, receiving points won, 25 for Tsitsipas, 26 for Kyrgios. Points won for the match, 90 to 90 for Kyrgios. Games won, 16 for Tsitsipas, 16 for Kyrgios. It just goes on and on. They had so many um, points that were that looked identical. If you looked at the box score, you looked at the looked at the stats. So Kyrgios did actually come out on top and actually ended up winning that entire tournament. But it was just odd to see so many points that were or so many stats that looked the same. So it was funny to look at the box score there. Really, it did come down to the break points. Kyrgios only had three opportunities, but he took better advantage of those those opportunities. Sitsi passed eight opportunities, only converted two. So, like we always say, break points, those are the big points that matter in the end. So, I don't know, kind of kind of a mirror image there on how they were playing and the way they were winning points, which is very interesting. Yeah, it's right that you see that. Such similar <laughs> results there, but similar stats. Right, and both offensive-minded players, both, like I said, even down to the serve and how many, what percent points they're winning how many serves they were getting in first serves they were getting in so pretty interesting we also know nadal he rolled through with the rogers cup in canada he faced medvedev who was in the final of washington and lost to Kyrgios. then he made it to the final against nadal lost to him then he made it to the final in cincinnati and he beat Goffin. so he finally got um, a victory there. This is that Maiden Masters 1000. Pretty impressive, but more impressive was just the way it came about. Three finals in a row. He's exhausted because there's not really any time between any of those tournaments. So he was saying, he was like, ah, I'm thrilled, but he didn't follow the court because he's like, I'm more exhausted than anything. He's like, I just want to lay in bed and watch TV all day. So uh, hopefully the poor guy's rested up because he's, um, he's looking good. He won his first round match um, at the U.S. Open already. Uh, but the big story coming out of this, not just that Medvedev won a Masters 1000, but how he did it. He beat Novak Djokovic on a hard court, which is pretty difficult to do, as anybody can attest who's played him on a hard court. He beat him in the semifinals. So we're going to kind of go through those stats. 
And maybe there's some some chinks in the armor there. Maybe Joke's not completely this one hardcore after all. Or maybe Medvedev is just stepping up and the young guns maybe have a chance. So we'll go through the, the match here. So the stats, that 75 points apiece for Djokovic and Medvedev. So tight as we get, just like the Wimbledon final, right, where it was one of those ones where it was like 50%, you know, the points. Because once you get to like 53% of the points won, it's a blowout. So these guys were neck and neck. So we'll go ahead and see where where Joke fell short and how Medvedev took advantage. So each of them, Medvedev had served up 10 more aces, 16 aces to Djokovic, 6. First serve points, 178% for Medvedev to 72% for Djokovic. Djokovic, that's a little low. He's a little bit higher than that. He's around that 78. Second serve points, 142% for Medvedev. Ooh, it's terrible. To 62% for Djokovic. And then the break point saved. Joke didn't save any, 0 for 3. Medvedev saved 1 out of 2, 50%. And then, of course, on the return side, Djokovic, I think, just having a little bit of a rough, rougher day. He only uh, returned 22% of the first serve points compared to 28% for Medvedev. Second serve return points one. Obviously, Djokovic did well there, 58% to Medvedev's 37%. So overall, he only won 33% return points for Djokovic. It's not... That's not usually up to par for joke. So yeah, kind of a weird match. Medvedev surprised how bad his second serve was as far as points were going, but he was actually hitting big second serve. So it's a lot of those points he won just because he was going so big. Just once they got into rallies, joke was winning those rallies on the second serve. Anything from the numbers there that stands out to you, Matt? No, I, I think it's basically the same thing. I was going to point that out. Is It's interesting. It's kind of one of those games that if I were just looking at the stats, I would think, well, this probably went to joke simply because of uh, that stat, right? I mean, Medvedev only won 42% of his second serve points. And sure, his first serve percentage was at 78%, but, uh, you know, you got to win both sides of it. And obviously, I think it comes down to those break points again. Medvedev was able to capitalize when it mattered. He won all three of those chances and was able to save at least one of the break points that he faced of the two. And so, again, it comes down to just those few important um, points and Medvedev can't, uh, was able to capitalize and convert, whereas Joke couldn't do it. So, Right. And and the one big thing, like I said, you know, he won 72% of his first serve points one Djokovic did. That is off of his um, career high or career on hard court. So he's kind of had an evolution. He started off early in his career in the 60s. Kind of see kind of a, a graph that kind of humps up. Um, and eventually turns upwards. So once he started winning slams, he was in the 75-ish range. He's now gone up to his career high, which looks like on the graph, 76% this last year's. So not as good as a Feder. We'll get into the Feder and Nadal's and how they're doing. But on a hard court, 76% is really, really where he should be. So he was a little bit down on that, only 72%. So maybe those are the couple points here and there that he, he needed. Yeah, that's um, a good point. It was a razor-thin match, but I think just it showed even a small dip in his form on first serve points cost him the match. And credit to Medvedev for, for sticking it to him. Yeah, taking advantage of it. Pretty much. Um, we'll talk about Feder. So had a little bit of a Wimbledon hangover. He did not play Rogers Cup. He skipped that, but he just like Djokovic went and played Cincinnati. So in his third-round match, he faced Andre Rublev, who's had a lot of uh, injuries, but he's a young gun. I watched him at Indian Wells. He's got a really good forehand and backhand, actually. He's he's a very good player. And he took down Federer and it was his 
quickest defeat in 15 years. Straight sets. 6-3, 6-4. It was kind of an impressive beatdown by Ruva. I thought it was definitely off, but Fed afterwards said, you know what? His defense and offense was just too good. He was all over the place. And so those numbers were were a little bit shocking. So Rublev, 82% for serve points one. That's where you want to be if you want to win a hardcore match. Better was all the way down to 63%. He's usually there around that 80%. So he did not have a good day serving or even backing up that first shot right after the serve. Second serve points one, 53% for Fed, 57% for Rublev. So really you can tell just from those first two stats, Fed wasn't returning Rublev's serve very well. And he wasn't serving very well, at least on the first serve side. And so that led to an extremely lopsided match. And Federer was just kind of out of it from the start, unfortunately. But um, hopefully that's just some rust. He played a, a good first-round match last night. He had to come from behind in the first set against a really talented Indian. We're going to talk more about those stats, but he ended up winning that match. So maybe Fed can kick off the rust and, and keep it going. Yeah, that's... That would be interesting to look at, and maybe I'll, I'll look at this before our next podcast. Yeah, I wonder how many straight set losses the big big three have had. Because I bet it's Oof, way not, many. not many. Yeah, it's got to be, right? They usually at least take one set off the, their opponents. Anyway. No, that's fascinating. That's super fascinating. Yeah, because Federer, the only one I can think of for Federer is Tommy Robredo. And you're talking about in, in majors, right? Or mm -hmm. just in general? Sure, in majors. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you can limit it to majors. I'm sure, I'm sure it's even lower in majors. Exactly, it's going to be even lower. <laughs> yeah, because the only one I could think of in majors is Tommy Robredo, 2013 U.S. Open. Federer was struggling mm -hmm. with back issues, but he lost in three straight sets. Um, and it's Tommy Robredo, so not exactly even someone top-ranked. But, uh, yeah, it would be interesting to look up that stat. One one stat that, was, that I heard mentioned as well is Federer, he lost the first set to the Indian qualifier, uh, Nagal, and they said it was the first time he's dropped a set against an Indian, at least on the, the top, on the ATP tour. So, I thought that was interesting as well. He's played several, and that was the first set he's lost. An Indian player. So, maybe there's some hope for some Indian tennis. I know Gunswaran already lost to Medvedev, but there's some uh, there's some young guys that look like they can play some tennis. Indian world. Alright, so, let's go ahead and talk talk some more tennis here. We got some of the graphs. Okay, first of all, U.S. Open forecast. So if you, so I'm on ultimatetennisstatistics.com. 32% is now the the odds that Fed, that Djokovic, excuse me, is going to be winning the U.S. Open. At least they have it at. It was at about at 30% yesterday before some of the matches eliminated um, some players like Team. Team was an upset today as well. Tsitsipas. Nadal climbs up to 32%. I believe he was at 29. And Federer's 21%, third favorite. So it seems about right, but the fourth favorite, you want to take a guess who the fourth favorite is, Matt? Uh, fourth favorite, probably Medvedev. Did you already say that? No, I didn't. It is Medvedev, yep. Right. He's all the way down there at 4%, so there's probably a bunch <laughs> of others, but you're right. Medvedev is the fourth favorite. He's, I believe, the fifth-seeded fifth player, but like you're saying, he's playing some good tennis going in. His ELO has definitely make, uh, had a rise. But what, what do you think about those favorites? Do you think that sounds about right? The order and percentages? Yeah, I mean, it's you definitely can't count out Joke, right? I mean, he, no. sure, he lost in his tune-up match, but it's Djokovic, and we're playing five sets now, and so he's just too good. He's won, what, four to the last five? No, is that right? Four to the last five? Uh, I think that's... 
Oh, uh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that for U.S. Open because he's actually right. never. Def- interestingly enough, he's won I think three U.S. Opens, but he's never defended his title at the U.S. Open, which I think oh, is there you go. weird. Okay, uh, well, he's yeah. won a lot at the U.S. Open. Yes, <laughs> I'll say it that way. Yes, um, and uh, yeah, so he's he's very good on the hard court, um, and so uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. I think, I think uh, Rafa Nadal right there next to him is probably solely based on his draw <laughs> he has been playing well right he won yep. in canada which is great he's looking great he's looking healthy he didn't overplay himself in these tune-ups saving himself and his energy for when it really matters and uh especially with the loss of some of these young guns coming out um he has by far the easiest route of the big three Obviously, Joke and Fed are going to hit each other if they don't lose um, in the quarters. They're on the same side of the draw, and so Rafa avoided them until the finals. But uh, other than that, he has a you know kind of kind of a rough uh, first match. If he can get past Millman, who is a pretty consistent, pretty good t- good player that has some upset potential, but after that, his route. I mean, he might play Sasha Zverev in the quarterfinals. That would be the first possible top 10 matchup that he has. And uh, other than that, he has, you know, a chance to play Chilich in round of 16, Verdasco in round of 32. Um, his next round, he's either playing the 144th ranked or the 203rd ranked opponent. Um, and so it's just, uh, you know, a pretty straightforward route. As long as he can stay healthy, get in, get out, play a clean game, save his energy. I think he's got a chance to make it, to make it far. And I think Joke has, Joke and Fed both have um, much bigger chances to trip up before they get to the finals. And uh, yeah, I mean, if Rafa can get to the finals without one of them two coming out of the other side, he's got a chance. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The 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 one thing to, to mention though, that two hundred third ranked player you said that Nadal would face next, maybe perhaps. Uh-huh. He is Kakanakis, so he's the guy That's that's true. better um, in Miami a couple years back. I, again, I think Nadal should beat him, but he's a big hitter. And if he's feeling it, he struggled a lot with injuries, so I think that's hurt his ranking. But, um, yeah, it, I, it, could, it could be trickier than it looks is what I'm saying. I would still favor Nadal, obviously. but Right, and a that's trick. a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. But, but I agree, and Chilich is not really having the best year. Normally, I would be more worried about that. When remember when when Chilich was making Grand Slam finals with regularity, right. but yeah. he's not really had a good uh, good year. So no. I, I agree, it's not looking like that that difficult of a draw for Rafa. Pretty fortunate, actually. Yeah. And that's Sh- interesting. I mean, so sorry, just one more thing. So I'm looking at ultimate tennis stats. They kind of break this down and chances of each player making it to their respective um, round that they'd play Rafa and. And they have Severev with a 38% chance to make the quarterfinal against Nadal. <laughs> and uh, Kachanov with a 20% chance or 19.5% chance under Zverev, which I think that should be reversed. I think that, uh, I don't know, Zverev went to five sets in that first round. And uh, Kachanov has, when he plays well, he plays well. I think that yeah. I would be more concerned about Rafa playing Kachanov than playing Zverev, that's for sure. That's what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, and their ELO really isn't that far off. It's thirty less than thirty points off, twenty points off. So I wonder exactly what's what exactly is basing that on. Maybe their quarter 
um, or maybe their uh, their group is a little bit. Maybe it's easier for Zverev. It's possible. Uh, I guess there is Sangha and Hatchinoffs. Besides that, I don't see anyone that's crazy good. Oh, Diego Schwartzman's in his, I guess. I think that's why, because there's two guys with Elo over 2,000 in his. I see. That's probably the only reason, because I otherwise I agree. I would totally just, I would totally favor Zverev, or totally favor Hatchinoff over Zverev, but it depends on who you play, too. Depends on who you play. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Cool. Well, let's go through. So one quick note on Stan Wawrinka. So he played an Italian qualifier yesterday, and he was looking pretty good, even though, again, he was a qualifier. To me, based on the eye test, Stan was just, he was hitting the ball really clean. His forehand, to me, is a good indicator. Backhand is, let's face it, his backhand always, he can always hit winners off that quarter. But his forehand, he was stepping around it, hitting some beautiful inside-out shots. He was moved, like I said, I think he's mainly just moving well from, from just watching it. So we can go through the numbers here and, and look to see if there's some validation here. So Stan won 72% points on first serve, 52% on his second serve. And compared to this guy's name, his last name is Sinner, interesting last name, 62% on first serve win points and 61% on second serve. So second serve, pretty good. First serve, not so much. Then if you go down to the receiving points, this is key for me. Stan won 39% receiving points to Sinner's 36%. Stan, it's it's common for me to see him with, with low 30s or even high 20s as far as receiving points. Back when he was still kind of recuperating from injury, not moving well, 39%, that's like a Djokovic-esque number. That's, that's an extremely good number for winners. So to me, he was moving well, and the stats seem to kind of back me up there. So we'll see. If he faces some tougher opponents, like maybe Djokovic in the, what is it, round of 16, he could face him in? That uh, could be I think so, yeah. Something. That could be true. Yeah, it's either third round or, or round of 16. So, yeah, I just I just hope Stan can stay healthy because, again, can't forget that he is a U.S. Open winner himself in 2016. That's right. Because Djokovic, uh, we already talked about him, he's a three-time winner, but he only won in 2011, 2015 over Federer in the final, and then last year, 2018 over Del Potro. So he's only actually, I mean, I, I just would have, I would have thought Djokovic would have won more US Opens by now. He only has three, but still can never count Joke out. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, I'm very hopeful for Stan. Yeah. What's interesting is looking at uh, all three of, uh, so looking at Stan, Fed, and Joke played uh, that first day of the US Open, and they all had more unforced errors than the qualifiers that they played. <laughs> Fed had Fed had 57. Joke was the cleanest. He had like 35 or something, but he still had more than his opponent. And then Stan also had 53 or 55. He was in the 50s. So I, they all need to clean up their game. It's the first round. Yeah, there's room for error. Definitely. But, uh, that's those are high. Those are high. Oh, you want to get this this key of the match for Stan Wawrinka? So IBM puts out keys to the match, right? So they give different stats that they think will based on who the player is and their playing style versus who they're playing in some interesting matchups. So one of them was place drop shots shorter than 10.2 feet from the net. And he did that in all but the first set. So he did that second through the fourth set. I just thought that was a really funny set. I haven't seen one like that before. It makes me think, is Stan just doing a lot of bailout uh, drop shots? But <laughs> apparently he's hitting some good drop shots. Maybe uh, he's got to make the young gun run. I don't know what the 
the thing the thinking was there. But sometimes you see some funny uh, stats or keys to the match. I thought that was a pretty funny one. That is interesting. I did see some of his droppers last night, and they were pretty. He was yep. in that ball though. Yeah. Oh. Yep. So let's go move on to. Let's see who do we want to talk about next. We can look at Djokovic. He played yesterday, the defending champ. Looking pretty dang good. So 84% win on first serve. Much better than the Medvedev one, right? Where he was <laughs> he was in those low 70s. So 12% better. And it really helped him win the match. He pretty much had a stranglehold. It was a little bit tricky to get the first break in the first set. Once he got that, he was pretty much in control. Second serve, 66%. I mean, you're not going to beat a guy if you if you can't even win points on a second serve. 66% is unreal. 79%. Net points one went to net 29 times, maybe somewhere like a Federer number. That's a lot of times going to the net for Djokovic. Then he won 36% break points. Overall, receiving points won 42%, almost because his opponent won 23% receiving points. So getting close to double ish range, that's just crazy. The mm -hmm. dude can return and return, return. So overall, he, he won pretty comfortably. Yeah. Well, and you should note that. Uh... Choke did not face any break points. Uh, so he made that is it. correct. He did not he even face a break point. <laughs> yeah. So there was zero pressure there in that aspect on his serve. That that and, helps. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. That really helps not facing a break point. You can even ratchet up the pressure even more. Yeah. So yeah, Djokovic, uh, he's gonna have to be challenged more than that. <laughs> we'll just we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> let's uh let's talk Feder. We already kind of mentioned Nagal, the Indian qualifier who took the First set off of Feder. Feder actually was up a break early. He was up two to zero, and then Nagal broke right back, and then it was a it was a dogfight in that first set. Nagal's actually a clay quarter is is kind of where his uh, his strength lies, and you could tell his serve wasn't very good. But he once he got into rallies, he was hitting with spin and with tons of power. So there's some very interesting points. Fed would like slam the ball with the forehand, and you'd think, oh yeah, that'd be a winner or a forced error. On Nagal, Nagal would hit it right back. So it was it was an entertaining match, to say the least. But Fed did have to find at least some semblance of of a game and of of some good constructive points. So on the first serve, Fed won seventy one percent on his first serve, which again uh, this year he's been at eighty percent on the hard court. So probably want to see that improve. So one percent on second serve, less than half, forty eight percent. So that's pretty low. Interesting. And compared to Nagal, right, 59% points on first serve. That's abysmal. And then 46% on second serve. So Fed was feasting pretty well on the guy's serve. Um, net points, Fed went to net 50 times, so quite a bit. Won 66% of those net points. Would want to see that uh, rise as well. And then Fed won 7 of 13 break points for 54% versus Nagal's 23%. So Nagal also actually created 13 break opportunities. So Fed just converted four more of them. So that seemed like the big point there. 62 winners for Fed to 17 for Nagal, right? So you can tell Nagal's just Mr. Consistent, right? Fed was the one that was missing a lot. He had 57 unforced errors. So he's got he's to lower those unforced errors. He ended up still winning comfortably in the end in the other sets, but he just needs to kick off the rust in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, yeah, I think he'll be fine moving forward. That first yep. round maybe was a little bit, yep, a little bit of a tune-up, a little warm-up. Right, and, and it even showed, so if you go to the keys of the match, stand, Feds was to stand more than 
5.8 feet in front of the baseline during rallies in service games, which usually he's pretty good at due to his attacking nature of the game, right? It's hit a big serve, go inside the baseline. But this one, he didn't do it in any of the sets. So I think just maybe his movement was a little sluggish. But he still he still got the job done. I think he's, he's still going to be proud of his performance there because he's moving on and he can take the lessons he's learning and play into form, essentially. Yeah, his his quarter is not that difficult. No, yeah. Until he gets to to joke, it should be pretty straightforward. It should yeah, it shouldn't be too bad, in my opinion. And then let's talk about Sitsi Pass, right? So we talk about these young guns, right? Sitsi Pass mm-hmm. lost today, day two. He lost to Rublev, who we talked about beat Feder a few weeks ago, and this was a very tight match. Uh, there were two tie breaks that they split. And actually, Tsitsipas had his own little rant against the umpire. He was apparently cramping, taking a little bit of time between points and that type of thing. And he was given some point penalties. And he's like, oh, you're out to get me. And he's like kind of berating him. And it's like, oh, it was interesting. He used the term weirdo, actually, which at least is uh, <laughs> better than whatever Curios calls Minder. people. Days, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was interesting. You don't want to repeat the things Curios No, we can't repeat the things they said, but. <laughs> yeah, CT Pass just just not doing it. 69% win percent on first serve to 74 for Rublev. 50% win on second serve to 52 for Rublev. That 2% small, but it, it makes a pretty big difference in the end. It's giving you more points on their on their serve. Net points one. CT Pass went to net a lot. Similar to Fetters, right? Fetter had 50 times to net. CT Pass had 48. Um, converted 69% compared to Rublev's 82%. A few times he went to net, he's more efficient. And then break points kind of sealed the deal. Three for 13 Tsitsipas, 23% to five for 20, 20 points, 25% for Rublev. So ultimately he was able to, to win by 10 points. And not only win by 10 points, because as we saw from Wimbledon, it's not just about because Federer won 14 more points than Djokovic. You got to win the match. And Rublev also won the match. So, Kudos to him, and Tsitsipas is left kind of searching. He's the number eight seed, and he had another first-round exit from, from a major. Yeah. So I don't know, really know if I can explain it, but that's just he's just not playing as well as he was in the first half of the year. No. And you have to give a little credit to Rublev. I mean, in the, in the three tournaments leading up to this. So he lost in the qualifiers to the Canadian, which isn't great. But after that, so in Cincinnati, he beat, you know, obviously Federer. And then lost to, you know, Streak and Medvedev in the quarters, who ended up in the finals. And then he made it to the corners again at Winston-Salem, lost to Chapovalov. Um, so, he, you know, he had a good tune-up. He was playing consistent, playing well, getting to quarters and stuff. So maybe, you know, maybe he's just playing uh, playing pretty consistent. Yeah. More than I mean, I still think, obviously, Sissipas is the AC. Should have been able to handle it should have been able to take care of the of the match but yep what what i'm seeing going through the different sets so his first serve percentage uh pretty decent it goes from it's in like the high 60s so not great a 70 set two 77 set three which is great set four goes down to 56 percent. so i wonder if it's a fitness thing maybe the cramping Maybe, uh, but some reason why he just either Rublev had a better level in the fourth set, or in my opinion, probably just the, the serving went down from there. So, yeah, 
a little bit of a shame, but hopefully, hopefully Sitsi Pass can take it and, and improve because he still had a great year, but just kind of the last two majors of the season was a little disappointing. Yeah, most definitely. But maybe we could say that for all the young guns. They've just, uh, they've been <laughs> exciting, but also a little bit disappointing. Yeah. Kind of sums it up. Yep. Yep. Well, it's interesting. I'm in, and I think that the fitness and things is definitely a big point. I know Federer at one point in his career went over to somewhere in the middle East to train so that he could get, so that he could just like acclimate and play in these extreme conditions so that when he played in the heat of, you know, the U S open and stuff, it didn't affect him. didn't cause him to cramp and stuff. So, right. I mean, these big three just are willing to do a lot of stuff to, to be able to find that next level, find that next gear and really just maintain the stranglehold they have on the tennis world right now. I think, um, I don't know. I think that the youthfulness of this, uh, of the youth movement, you know, is they they just need to kind of mature a little bit and figure out what they're doing. I I agree with that definitely, and I think that was Dubai where Federer likes to sometimes train at. Ah, yeah, that's it. And unfortunately, Sitsi Pass maybe didn't get an invitation because other, other times other players oh, uh, really? go and go with him. Yeah, like Luca Pui, I think was with them for a bit. So Sitsi oh, Pass needs an invite, and then he can go work <laughs> on. <the tennis. laughs> that's right. Go play but, in the desert. But yeah, one other cool thing that U.S. Open has is they have the men's single statistics. So for all the men's matches for this year, they have all the stats. So a lot of them are like total numbers, like total uh, first serve points won or total retirements. The number of five-set matches, so already we've had 13 five-set matches and out of the 51 matches played. But some of the things I thought were interesting, so they have are their average first serve percent points won. So 71%. We keep talking about that number for hardcore for attacking games and Wimbledon as well on grass. It's a pretty important number. So 71% and then 49% for second serve points one. So those are kind of your averages. Again, I would more base it on what the players' averages are, especially those players who have won majors in the past to see, hey, what worked in the past, right? Um, what what has Djokovic done in the past as far as just serve for serve points one? Well, he should probably do similar if he's going to win again, but just kind of an interesting thing that for the average people that are winning points for serve first serve points, it's around 71%. And then their first serve in also kind of one that's talked a little bit by commentators, 60% kind of for the average. So we can kind of track these averages as we go. It'll be interesting to see if they continue to go up as some of the better players remain. Hmm. But I, yeah, just think it's kind of an interesting stat and barometer overall. Yeah. They should split this between winners and losers. They should. That would be interesting. Um, and then the last thing just wanted to talk about is I have a graph pulled up for each of the big three and kind of looking at their first serve percent, first serve points one on hard court and how it's improved over time for most of the players it's improved. So looking at Fetters, he started off in 2000, uh, or this is 1998 when he first turned pro, 72%. It's risen, hit, peaked out at 2000, 2015 at about 81%. Um, he's right now at 80% for first serve points one. So pretty ridiculous. He obviously relies on that first serve. It's gotten better over time, which is funny thinking about, oh, you know, once you hit 30 or, you know, once you get older, it's going to slow down. No, he's actually been doing even better than when he was winning majors back in the day. So still finds a way to improve. Uh, the guy's amazing. So look for that 
if Federer continues to struggle to win, to get those easy points or those setup points, I like to call them, a serve and then a nice forehand to the corner or whatever he has designed, go to the, going to the net, those shorter points. If he's not designing those points very well, I don't see him winning the U.S. Open or, or even getting to face Djokovic. So that's one thing I'm looking for. If he plays like that and he's he goes closer to this number that he's played, because remember he he almost won Indian Wells, he made the final, and he won Miami, and he's playing some good hardcore tennis. So we'll see if he can continue that level. Rafael Nadal, interesting. So he 2003 is 74%. He's got there some peaks and valleys. 2010 it went up to 76%. Um, it's gone back up this year to 78% on hardcore. So close to Federer, which you would not think of Nadal as one that wins a lot of first serve points. Mm. It's a lot on the second serve, but Nadal has continued to also improve his game and we'll see if he can improve the 70%. I think it'll kind of come back down personally to his more of his average, but even 76% is nothing to sneeze at. So, well, and he's changed his, his serve recently, added a little more power to it. I think shortened it a little bit or something. Interesting. So maybe that's maybe him. that's yeah. Yep. Maybe that's helping him. Because even last year he was down at 71%. So yeah, well, that's, and that's a that's dramatic player, difference. Right? 78, so. 71. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean that I mean that's a big enough change to to win majors to go from losing in the quarter semis to actually winning majors. Djokovic is a more interesting graph. He started off at 64%, so he, very, very low in 2004. And then he rose up quickly around the time he started winning majors. I think 2008 was his first major one. He got it up to about 75%. Had a couple of peaks and valleys as well, but even now, 2019, it's the best it's ever been. And it is at 76%. So again, not Federer at 80% or even Nadal at 78, but 76 for Djokovic. Again, maybe because he relies a little more on the return. He doesn't need to to dominate as much on the first serve. But like I'm saying, each of these top guys, somehow they get even better is the major takeaway. And hopefully we can keep looking at numbers and keep seeing, are they actually? But based on this stat right here, they're they're getting better. So it's it's incredible that they continue to reinvent themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it's been fun already, even after a day and a half of the US Open. So I'm excited to see what more matches are in store for us and see if we get any of the mat- marquee matchups. Federer and Nadal, amazingly enough, have still not faced each other at the U.S. Open. And if they're going to face each other this year, they can only face each other in the final. So, well, that would be a popcorn uh, popcorn final for sure. Whew. As long as Joke's not there, I'm happy. <laughs> That's right. Says Joking. Joking? Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that's all we have for today. Please visit us at CognitionSphere.com. Our theme music is brought to us by Kevin MacLeod with excerpts from his song, Cool Rock. And until next time, we will see you on the court.